Blog Talk Radio. It's the Gridiron Stud Show and a promo that's got the flow. Football knowledge from toe to toe with Amo, Calamino, and the other host. You already know Chad Wilson brings you the show. Dial us up. Give us a call. We're waiting here to talk some ball. 347-633-9365 is the number to call. So don't sit around. No time to stall. Giving you football from wall to wall. And now we give you our two hosts, Amo and Chad, with your breakfast toast. Okay, it's Monday, dreaded Monday. There's no sayings that say "Thank God it's Monday" out there, is there? Is there anything no, like that out none there? None that I've ever heard of. Yeah, yeah. Well, nevertheless, it is Monday. It is a post-weekend Monday, as Monday usually follows the weekend. Does that make any sense? Well, you're on a roll today. You're two for two. <laughs> Better than your pick. Oh. But we are here <laughs> to uh, sum up whatever the heck went down this weekend. The uh, local fans here are in a complete frenzy. This week on Sports Talk Radio is going to be epic down here in the state of Florida as the Miami Dolphins take the shaft, if I could say so, from the Buffalo Bills. Emil, you just lost. First of all, there are big expectations for you coming into this season. Because you I don't know why, but go ahead. Because, because you signed a defensive tackle to a, uh, yes, a very sizable contract. Yes, I understand the why. I mean, I guess I understand the which, expectations from fans. I don't understand why that changes your expectations. Which makes total sense. Defensive tackles rule the world sure. of uh, NFL football. So you come in with big expectations, mm-hmm. and you somehow lose a game to the Jacksonville Jaguars, who lost by... Uh, probably about 80 points yesterday. Literally, if the, I, I believe, and I didn't watch that game, I mean, because I saw the score rolling in, there was no need to injure my thumb. It could switching. have been 80. Yes, I, allowed, I honestly if believe if the Patriots wanted to get over 70 yesterday, they could have. Yeah, if you know, if it wasn't frowned upon, they would have easily gone to 80 points. Oh, and by the way, the team that beat the team you lost to is the king of your division. So, off of that loss... You now come home for your home opener. So here it is. You're off of a loss mm-hmm. to a really bad team. You're back home in your home opener. Oh, and by the way, you are hosting a division opponent. And what do you do? You celebrate this grand thoroughfare by going out and losing. But not only losing, Emil. You lose by 27 points. Four touchdowns. And it wasn't really that Four close. <laughs> touchdowns. Forty one to fourteen is your final score for the Miami Dolphins in their game against the Buffalo Bills. Before we get into this game, I ask you something. Was it cloudy down there yesterday? Because I was flipping channels and every time I got to that game I didn't pay attention long enough to get the answer to my own question. It seemed very dark in the stadium. Um yeah, for more reasons than one. Yeah, well, uh, I wasn't it was being... cloudy. Yeah, okay. Yeah, it was. It you know it it teetered between sun and 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 cloud. Gotcha. It often will down here in the state of Florida, but it was probably more dark than than uh, than sun. And I'm not just talking about how the game went, but nevertheless. But don't hammer that the is... Dolphins. I mean, the Dolphins. I think you and I had reasonable expectations for. I, I mean, I think the Bills are a good team, and I think they showed that when they fell way behind the Patriots 
and made a run at them at the end. I mean, they didn't quit. I mean, I, I like what the Bills have this year. And if Taylor keeps playing the way he's playing, I mean, keep an eye on that team. I think they're. I think they got a shot to do some do some things this year. This about the Bills. I will agree with you. They are a good team, no doubt about it. They are a better team than anyone expected. Um, this is what Rex Ryan does in the early years. We'll have to see what he does past year three when um, he explodes on the organization. And they look good in those threads they rolled out yesterday. I mean, I was thinking OJ from my childhood. They looked. I liked. I liked what they brought to the table, style wise. Yeah. Too. <laughs> yeah, um, and in this, clearly, they picked the, the right quarterback to lead this team. Uh, as there so was, far, it looks know. like a great move, and you know, you look yeah, what he has it, on his team. You know, I know Watkins got hurt a little bit. You know, that's a concern, but he's got some weapons. Yeah, um, so there you go. Um, but you want to hammer the Dolphins? Looks like, the Dolphins looks like did Ty nothing Taylor. yesterday. Uh, we have a caller listen, who listen. loves the Dolphins. Uh, t- uh, we, we know that, but Emil, okay, the Bills are good. All right. Yes. And the Dolphins are not as good as people want to make them out to be. But are the Bills forty one to fourteen better than the Miami Dolphins? Someone out there has to explain that to me. And if you're listening out there today and you have any idea how how the Miami Dolphins need to be fixed, we will welcome your calls on the show today. The number is three four seven six three three nine three six five. Again, three four seven six three three nine three six five. If you're in charge of the Miami Dolphins today, how do you go about fixing this football team and this franchise? We'll take your answers here on this show today because it's been too damn long, Emil. Just too long of this mediocrity. Yeah, That's- well, I think that, you know, obviously their their issues become more organizational than just saying, hey, we need to run the ball more, this and that. I mean, the Dolphins have been this way for, like you said, a long time. Um, you, you, you know, we frowned on on the use of a high draft pick uh, for Tannehill, and again, this is where you get in trouble. You know, at the end of the day, yesterday he put up fantasy numbers. He threw a couple touchdowns, almost 300 yards, but he threw three picks. I mean, come mm. on. Yeah, and you know, if he's going to start doing that, then there's no there's no hope because he he, he you know, there's a lot of things Tannehill doesn't do. Uh, that you would like to see, but he hadn't been turning the ball over. And then yesterday he caught the turnover bug, and that was a big reason why he had a 41-14 finish in that game. But, uh, you know, the biggest problem is they can't run the damn football. Now, they cleaned up the numbers by repeatedly running at the end of the game. Sure. Which, uh, I, I don't you know. I don't know you can't clean was... anything from a football play. This is one thing I've learned as I've aged, and, you know, younger listeners, trust me on this. I used to read football box scores like they meant something. I read them now to see what guys ended up doing just out of curiosity. But if you don't see a game, you really have a hard time gleaning anything from a football box score just because of the nature of the sport, as you always say. When the game gets decided and guys start you know, shutting it down in football, um, you know, yards get piled up. And football is such an emotional, physical game that when the other guy's not trying hard, it isn't even like baseball. You can get a pitcher out there, as long as he's throwing the ball 95, he'll get a few guys out accidentally. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, baseball I mean, is different than football. So You know, basketball, same thing, it's different. Football, you just get statistics at the end of the game. So you read that box where you say, hey, the Dolphins had 20 rushes, 102 yards. Not a bad no, day. No, man. Nothing. No. It was terrible. Yeah, and that, it, it, that, this game here would totally define the point that you just made. Because uh, it wasn't even that. That last drive that they had, they ran yeah. the ball repeatedly. Um, Buffalo wasn't so much into it, and the Dolphins were able to to get some yards there. But when it mattered, 
and this game was, which, you know, wasn't for long, but when this game was competitive, they could not run the ball to save their life. The third straight game in which this has been the case. And I don't know how it got that bad for them, but it's uh, it's horrible at this point. So your top rusher, your, your top guy, which, you know, coming into the season is Lamar Miller, seven carries, 38 yards. And, again, some of that was cleaned up at the end. They just can't run the football. And, and now Well, I know we're going to break off. this game down in a lot of them in the NFL segment and, you know, our college segment. I wanted to hit you with some global things from the weekend, more <clears throat> sport-oriented from each uh, of college and the NFL and see what you think, uh, mm-hmm. bounce them off you. Number one, my take, one takeaway I've got from college football is, I'm starting to agree a little bit, maybe not as much as the way he wants it to go. Saban's self, you know, he's self-preservation when he says the game needs to slow down. But I do think they need to take a little bit of a look at some of the timing rules in college football and substitution rules because right now, in a lot of these games, you're getting what I I almost view as a basketball game. Hmm. Yeah, uh, we're definitely. I'm glad you're bringing that up because that's something we're going to touch in our college football segment. Uh, which which comes up at ten. Yeah, okay. You want to you want to save that? That's one point that you know you you want to put you want to handle it there. We'll handle it there. But that's more. Oh no, yeah, take that's away. definitely definitely something we 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 uh we need to talk Another about. Another takeaway that uh, kind of ties to college football strategy and comparing it to the NFL. You know, a lot of fans. You you sit in a bar, or you sit with your buddies watching a game, and they say, oh, the quarterbacks in the NFL should wear flags, can't let them get hit. Well, here it's a double-edged sword here. You know, and I said this yesterday. There's only about 15 guys right now in the world that could play quarterback in the NFL. There's 32 teams. I mean, play quarterback at, at a fairly high level, okay? Mm-hmm. If you had that in a sport like baseball, pretend there was only 15 pitchers that were major league pitchers. How would that sport mm-hmm. look, <laughs> right? So True. They protect these guys because if you watch some of the play in the NFL, when these guys start going down and they do go down, some of this play is, is, is just – it goes to the other end of the spectrum where I'm complaining about college – You've got a basketball game. Well, you get the NFL. It's almost unwatchable. I mean, that Steelers Rams game. It's not good football. Mm-hmm. So um, it's it's not it's not. But I wonder what what did they do back when we were kids? Because those guys. Ah, but you, like you're that. asking a question. Here's here's the big difference, and this is where I was taking it. See, I always have a point. The yeah, NFL's yeah, created yeah. a game, and you rail on it. You call it the TMZ game, okay? You you say mm-hmm. they want to have a game and a sport that that the fans of the TMZ crowd can follow. So they've created a sport that essentially all the rules make it a quarterback-driven league. Mm-hmm. You cannot scheme around in the NFL average quarterback play. In college, you can. Give you an example: a team like LSU. Okay, their quarterback. No offense. Sorry if your parents are listening. He's not very good. I could stand mm-hmm. him on the deck of my house, and he couldn't throw the ball in the swimming pool. Okay, <laughs> but you get mm-hmm. a you get a generational type talent. Okay like that kid there, that, that is an Adrian Peterson, to me, Bo Jackson, Herschel Walker-type player if he doesn't get hurt. You get a good offensive line. You play good defense and special teams. You win a lot of football games. The NFL just doesn't work like that. You're not, look at the Dallas game. You're not going to run the ball for four quarters without a quarterback because the NFL coaches, even the average ones, and I'm not calling Dan Quinn average, but even the average ones, look and say, mm-hmm. guess what? I just played a half. Yes, their line is great, and they ran over us, but their quarterback can't throw the ball outside the numbers. So here's what I'm mm-hmm. going to do. I'm going to slide my safety down. I might even run blitz on first down, and I'm going to mm-hmm. say throw the ball outside the numbers. When he can't, guess what? The best six offensive linemen in the league, if Dallas has that, which I think they do, cannot block mm-hmm. eight guys. just doesn't work at that level. 
Well, I mean, we can and it get doesn't into work this. in college. But here's the difference: you can get a back mm-hmm. in college. It's just so it's a different game. I mean, they're not so all much more. Well, yeah, because not everyone's. You're not playing against all of the best players. In Correct. The You're going to have some weaknesses out there. And that, that's what know, I'm trying to say. The NFL play. has geared a game that is so quarterback-driven. When we were kids, you could create a running game. Matter of fact, even up to 15 years ago, till the rules really went over but the But, you top. know, Emil, you say that, but at the end of the day, the teams that win are the ones that can run the football. Absolutely, but guess what? To run the football, you still need that threat. I mean, let's not let's not make a mistake. Russell Wilson can throw the football. I mean, he's not he's not right. Some you have some out there. there who will try to say he. No, he he's not. He's not. He's not some slap guy out back there that can't throw the football. Okay, you have to have that threat. What made Emmett Smith great was that Troy Aikman could kill you if you wanted to play eight in the box, and so could Michael Irvin. That's just football. Mm. I mean, that's just. And when you have a league. That is so, the rules are so passing-oriented. Teams are now built to just throw the ball. So they, they aren't, most teams aren't even built to try to run the ball. Okay, 15 years ago, a guy like Trent Dilfer with a historic all-time great defense could win a Super Bowl at the Ravens. Not so sure that's possible today. Because Russell Wilson is a hell of a lot better than Trent Dilfer. Sorry. Anybody who wants to disagree with that can call Okay, yeah. So you're not going to well, tell me you still have an Eli Manning will go in there and slip in and win a Super Bowl. He will, but again, he, he he first of all he's he's not you know as much as he sometimes can look awful, he's not awful. I mean, Eli can throw the ball down the field. He can stretch a defense. He, you know, well, and Trent Dilfer couldn't do that. Why did people think Trent Dilfer was that god awful? Because we watched him play. I think if he didn't know, come on, man. I think if he wouldn't have started his career off in Tennessee, I don't. I, I mean, in, I don't want, listen, I don't want to it turn it into a that. debate on Trent Dilfer. I'm, I'm picking on the guy a little bit, but all I'm trying to say no, is no. But you're right. The the NFL is being uh, squeezed by its own rules, the way it set things up. So now you got to continue making rules to protect what it is you've sent at the game around. I think no, I no, your well, pretend, pretend you're not a Steeler fan, okay, and you just want to watch football. The Steelers are on Thursday night. I would I would venture to guess the Steelers going into that game are going to try to plan to play a 16-13 game. I mean, I'll be surprised if it turns into a shootout because that's the way they've got to play right now to win. And that's all right. That's what they're supposed to do. What I'm trying to say is your product then suffers because, you know, even the casual fan can watch and say, this guy can't play quarterback when they see a guy out there that doesn't belong out there. Right, right. No, I, I, I get it. Uh, you know, I totally get it. And whether you're a Steeler fan or not, and I like Michael Vick, you really want to see Ben Roethlisberger uh, as the quarterback of the Steelers when they're playing. And and so the NFL is going to protect their investment, and the investment are those are, are the quarterbacks. So you can't dive at their knees. You can't hit them in the head. You have to hit them in the ribs. If you fall anywhere outside of the rib cage. Are you going to get penalized? Like you and I are joke. from the same group it. of, you know, age group. So sometimes we make jokes about, you know, you had a good one the other day. You got to hit the quarterback between the first and fourth rib. But, I mean, to your point, while I kind of feel like you do, I also say, you know what, seeing Ben go down yesterday, it's going to make most likely, unless Vic surprises me, Steeler football unwatchable for the next four weeks. Okay? And and that that's not good as a fan. If you just like the sport, like, the way they have the rules set up, it's very hard to, to be an entertaining football team once your quarterback's gone. And for some teams, it's hard to be entertaining at all because they don't even have a first quarterback. That's what I'm trying this to say. This is also There's... a function of having brought into the game, into into the fan category, uh, 
people who aren't hardcore like you or I. That's that's really what that's going to boil down to. So I mean, you watch uh, these games like me on Sunday. You watch Red Zone. I mean, the the ball is just flying all over the field, and and you can't blame the teams. They've set up rules that really it it, it almost for some teams, especially ones that aren't as you always say, their motive might not be to win. I mean, in other words, mm-hmm. they're looking saying we can't win much here, but we can be entertaining. Mm-hmm. So they're going to go out and throw it fifty times. Uh, you know, we do have to go to a break, but how about this? Since the game has become more quarterback-centric, um, more pass-happy, we've experienced more injuries. The more drop-back passes, which can lead to injuries, and more receivers floating and running down and across the middle of the field, which can lead to more injuries. When this game was all about um, physicality and running the ball and all that, um, I think if it was if it was back to that, with the kind of protection that players have now, and then some of the rules that you have in place, you wouldn't have as many injuries. You agree or disagree on something? Well, like I, I was—I actually agree, and I'd love to be able to get some stats to back it up. But I would say I would bet you that other than special teams, because obviously punts and kickoffs tend to get you some injuries. I bet you there's more injuries on pass plays than run plays, just because of when I think as a as a, as a sports guy. I watch a pass play. I mean, so many different ways to get hurt. Linemen are in that stance where they're trying to hold off a 300-pound man, so they got their legs extended, arms extended. Guy rolls the knee. You got the quarterback going back. Uh, you, you have receivers just being extended across the field. Uh, whereas a run play, it's kind of in a small box. And sure, I mean, guys get hurt on running plays, of course. But um, and there's a I, lot more predictable contact on a run play. There is because you're engaged play. from the beginning. Sure, I mean, there's a lot of predictable yeah. contact. Yeah, Most running you know, plays, so the injuries come at the end of the run where you get, you know, the old saying in football, don't stand around. So you get a lineman who's not doesn't continue moving, finishing off a block. He's standing there enjoying the fruits of his labor, and somebody rolls up the back of his leg. Right. So if you so, as you're there for, in their thirst for entertainment, it has led to more detriment for for the very players that are, are making up this game. We got to go take a break, but when we get back. We will continue our discussion on the NFL. There are plenty of things here that we need to talk about. Andrew Luck, the Ravens, uh, the Falcons, and the Cowboys, if we, you know, to to just terrorize my co-host here. Uh, a lot of things in the NFL that went down that we need to talk about. And then the uh, question that's out there for you listeners, if you're in charge of the Miami Dolphins, how would you fix this football team? You can call us on that today. We'll be back right after this break. Hey, 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 do you love fantasy sports? Do you love money? Do you love excitement? Well, get ready, because you may have found your heaven. FanDuel has combined all of these great things into one amazing website. Turn your love for sports into money and excitement with one week and even one day fantasy leagues with a chance for enormous payoffs. FanDuel pays out over $10 million in winnings weekly to its members. That's right, $10 million. One member has made over $600,000 playing in their league. Another customer entered a one day contest for $25 and get this, cashed out $25,000 that day. FanDuel even offers a 100% money-back guarantee. Sign up now and join a league. If you don't absolutely love it, they'll give you your money back. You can enter leagues for as little as $1. For a limited time, FanDuel is offering a 100% deposit match bonus to Gridiron Stud Show listeners. That's right, they'll match your initial deposit all the way up to $200. What more can you ask for? 
Just head over to FanDuel.com right now and enter the promo code GRIDIRONSTUDS when you sign up. But you better hurry. The match bonus is going to end soon. Just head over to FanDuel.com and enter the promo code GRIDIRONSTUDS. Do it now! Well, what happened was that second game, we got our ass kicked, or the second half. We just got our ass totally kicked. We couldn't do diddly-poo offensively. We couldn't make a first down. We couldn't run the ball. We didn't try to run the ball. We couldn't complete a pass. We sucked. The second half, we sucked. We couldn't stop the run. Every time they got the ball, they went down and got points. We got our ass totally kicked in the second half. That's what it boiled down to. It was a horse performance in the second half. Horse I'm totally embarrassed and totally ashamed. Coaching, we're all, all, our coaching did a horrible job. The players did a horrible job. We got our ass kicked in that second half. It sucked. It stunk. Okay. <laughs> I love that clip. <laughs> All Joe Philbin needs to do in today's press conference with the media is just absolutely regurgitate what you just heard, the classic rant by uh, former Saints and Colts head coach Jim Mora. Does that not classically describe what went down in Miami yesterday? Perfectly. Yeah, absolutely. Just flat. Absolutely perfectly. <laughs> yeah, we sucked in every phase of the game. They, and, he, and that would be about as accurate, uh, you know, a description as you could get. A complete and total breakdown of yesterday's game, um, um, accurately given uh, maybe some 20 years ago by uh, Jim Mora. So how about that? Well, listen, uh, there was more going on than the Dolphins debacle yesterday. Uh, I had a little fun with this on Twitter. As you may remember, Emil, I put out my top five quarterbacks in the NFL for this year. I didn't include Andrew Luck. There were a lot of people up in arms about it. And my first uh, reason for not including him was it's far too soon to put him in that kind of company. And number two is he'd been feasting off of a very weak AFC South for his entire time in the league. And so now I look prophetic. Um, and I don't delight in Andrew Luck's struggles, but he right now looks like a rookie quarterback. Right now, Jameis Winston and Marcus Mariota look better than Andrew Luck. Oh, why is that, Amy? Uh, well, I mean, part of it is he's finally gotten a division that'll fight back a little bit. I mean, you know, these mm. teams are bad, but not as bad. I mean, Tennessee's got Mariota, so you know, he seems like he's going to do something in this league, um, and you know, that alone gives them a fighting chance. Uh, you know, and it just the Colts never really, you know, they turned it into the Andrew Luck show right out of the gate. And I, you know, I don't think they really built a solid football team. Their offensive line stinks. They can't push anybody off the ball when they need to. Uh, so mm-hmm. he's he's back there. You know, he's playing a little bit of chuck and duck once in a while, uh, making some bad decisions. Uh, it's just a whole host of things. You know, it's kind of the yeah, way they I built their that, team. Uh, yeah, I think the league has pretty much taken a look at Andrew Luck right now and figured it out that this. They can't hurt you with the run, so here are some of the things we need to do in the, in the secondary, and it seems to be working for them. Now the issue's got to be for the Colts is to kind of adjust to what's going on and somehow, some way, force yourself into a ground game that removes some some of the people in the secondary when uh, Luck is dropping back to pass, but he's having a tough go at it. I don't expect that this is going to continue all season long, but it just goes to my point that it was far too early to be putting him in the company of – you know, an Aaron Rodgers, 
a Tom Brady, a Peyton Manning, you know, those those folks. And until he really gets them to the promised land, I don't know that I will even do something like that. Who knows? You'd have to pile up a bunch of stats uh, a la Peyton Manning before I would, you know, put him in there without having reached at least reached a Super Bowl. Well, yeah, and, you know, no doubt in the NFL, just like every other level of football, you still need the Jesses and Joes, but you also need uh, – it's a lot more strategy because, you know, you're playing against the best of the best, so every team has some measure of talent. Now, obviously, the better teams have a little more talent than the worst, but the spread's not as big as some people think it is. A lot of it comes down to how you build your team, where you put your assets, uh, strategy employed in the game. It's not just, you know, we just have fl- – like you turn on a college game some Saturdays and one team just has flat-out better players than the other team. So it really doesn't matter. They'd have to turn the ball over ten times to lose. It's not right. the case in the yeah. NFL. No, no, not at all. And the margin of error is small. And If you're going to give it away like that, you're going to run into some trouble. We're saying all this, and the Colts did somehow pull out a victory against – Tennessee yesterday. So Tennessee's not ready yet. They're just not ready to. You know, that was one of those classic examples of a team that got the lead. They were up 13 late in the third, early fourth quarter, and they looked at each other and said, "Holy crap, we're going to beat the Colts at home. They're going to be home." Yeah, what three. are we doing? What are we doing? What are we here? doing? And then all of a sudden <laughs> they woke up the script. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they woke up and realized we're Tennessee. We're Tennessee. <laughs> so, so let's let's make yeah. sure that the Colts don't go to 0 three. Right. Well, staying on course with uh, quarterbacks who played like butt yesterday, what the hell was that in Arizona with Colin Kaepernick? I mean, look, you and I never we, – we never we never bought the land that was being sold to us by the media on Colin Kaepernick. We just – you know, uh, I had always said that the whole zone read thing was a fad and it was not going to last. And then what, what happens after that? Uh, you, you, you and I both agreed that uh, – Pass plays for the San Francisco 49ers, even with Harbaugh there, looked like something that went on in the fifth grade recess period that had no rhyme or reason to it, and it was all a runaround play. And uh, now it seems like the bottom is falling out. That was a, that was as bad a performance. Was was it his first two passes that were picked? Well, yesterday? let me say a couple things first of all. Before I, let, first, let me read you Colin Kaepernick's line yesterday, just folks. Ready? Nine of nineteen. I'm not making. Oh my this God! Up. Sixty-seven yards. 3.5 yards per attempt, no touchdowns, four interceptions, took two sacks, his quarterback rating for the game, 16.7. Basically, he did what I could have done if I played quarterback for God almighty. Yeah. That, looked, that number sounds like what the Arizona quarterbacks after Carson Palmer got hurt last year were doing. Um, we're talking about Kaepernick, a guy who played in a Super Bowl, for crying out loud. Um, he, more than anyone, must be missing Jim Harbaugh, I suppose. I, I suppose that's what's going on. He really well, uh, you know, him. going back to what you said with picking him, no, I think Harbaugh, and, and I didn't see this coming as much as now in retrospect, I think Harbaugh got to the pros and almost had a uh, little bit of a, a Chip Kelly in a different way. He didn't build a team goofily, like you know, where he said, I'm just going to run goofy plays. But I think he said, you know what, I want to win a Super Bowl. But I think he was always a guy that just seems now looking back like the college game. And maybe had a master plan. I'm going to go back to college at some point at a major program, and luckily it turned out to be his alma mater. So I'm going to try to win my Super Bowl, and I don't really give a damn how I do it. And he, mm-hmm. I'm, I, don't, I think he's a smart coach. I think he realized Zone Reed will be a fad in the NFL. But he figured, hey, I have a guy here. Maybe I can trick some people for a year or two and win a Super Bowl. And he did it. He almost did it. Uh- he almost pulled the whole thing off. I, you know, and staying on that really quick, 
Um, NFL owners have to be really leery going forward about picking up college football coaches as head coaches. Um, if I'm an owner, um, I'm not doing that. Okay, uh, I'm going to take a college football coach and uh, tell him you need to you need to spend some time in the pros as an assistant of some form, a coordinator, or something. Spend some time in the pros. Become um, pro certified before I go make you my head coach. Now that is something at, you're asking too much of a Chip Kelly or a Jim Harbaugh to drop the reins as a head coach and now become an assistant somewhere. So yeah, well they're different. You know, different gonna, ga- you know they're, they're just so different. The games and stuff like the zone read. You know, with RG3, we've talked about that. They did that kid no favors in Washington. But, you know, it'll work for a year, and these guys aren't stupid people. It's not like, oh, two guys on a radio show figured this out, and they didn't. They they knew eventually the legal catch up to it, and it exposes my quarterback, number one, to hits, which could get him hurt. And number two, if he doesn't get hurt like Kaepernick, he never develops, and the minute they catch up to it, I've got nowhere to go with it. But if you're Harbaugh and your master plan is i got four or five years I want to win a Super Bowl, and I want to get back to college because I enjoy that lifestyle more. What do you care? Yeah, no, I know as the as the coach you don't care, but as the NFL owner, how many times are they going to get bitten by that? You know, college coach. No, uh, you know what? I need a little more experience to come to 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 kind of dominate in this college thing. Why don't I go play around in the pros a little bit? Totally, uh, you know, screw up an organization, and then when I realize that I've made a complete mess and all the dishes are in the sink, I'm going to leave and head back to college. Totally. That seems to be the trend. And here's the right other now. here's the other thing, Chad, that people forget about the college game. You have un, basically unlimited access to talent. I mean, you get 25 scholarships a year. You have 85 on your roster plus walk-ons. So you got got 100 players. You're at a school like a, a Ohio State, uh, Alabama, USC, Michigan, you have two or three guys that could probably play quarterback at the Division One level. So you can run some, some offense where the guy gets hit, not that you're trying to get him hurt, but mm-hmm. if he goes mm-hmm. down, chances are the next there is kid. There's a backup. Yes. Like, look yeah, at Notre Dame. It's not like they stink because the quarterback's hurt. Well, listen, Notre Dame right now lost their starter from a year ago, transferred, and then the guy that replaced him is now hurt, and you got another guy in there, and you're still winning football games. Correct, right? and that's um, my and, that, really and therein lies my point of why some of this stuff that fans say, well, why can't it work in the NFL? It can't work because when your quarterback, going back to the first segment of the show, gets hurt in the NFL, you basically have no chance. Yeah, um, no, no doubt about it. Because again, it's all wrapped up. A lot of the money's wrapped up in that one guy, and you really can't afford to be um, handing out big chips to to two quarterbacks on your roster, let alone three. But we're doing a disservice here. We focus this game. We're talking about Kaepernick. I mean, let's talk about the Arizona Cardinals because I think that right now, and again, it's too early, things change, but three games into the season, this looks like we could we could stop the league right now and just have the Cardinals and the Patriots play in the Super Bowl. You could, but that's why we enjoy the NFL season because uh, it almost can turn into to two or three seasons wrapped into one. You know, because things of course things and change. It, but right now, those look like you're and that's why I football. caution people because you know, again, the Cardinals have done what they're supposed to do. They're they're not just beating teams; they're hammering bad teams. But their schedule so far has been littered with bad teams. Right now, the Saints are zero three. And not the team that we thought they could even, you know, we, we, I mean, I think we figured them to be closer to 500, and unless something changes, that's not looking to be the case. The Bears are terrible. 
so they hammered them last week. And let's be honest, the 49ers and Bears might be the two worst teams in the NFC. And they, so. But, you know, in, in we're talking about good teams. Let's not forget the Atlanta Falcons. The Atlanta Falcons sit here at 3-0 and right now. And this, this is a team right now that's off of back-to-back road wins, which is not an easy thing to achieve. And that's a very good Dallas Cowboys football team that they went out and beat yesterday. You know, and I know this comes at your expense as a Cowboys fan, but uh, we could talk about the lack of, of – you know, what the Cowboys could do offensively, but the, the Falcons did go up and put up 39 points in Dallas yesterday. Listen, I'm not going to – a win is a win in the NFL, and the Falcons are 3-0. and The only thing I'll caution you on is mm, defensively, you know, when you're when you're missing three of four guys that are starting on your defensive line, I mean, you got to remember in, in two weeks, Greg Hardy's your defensive end, Randy Gregory's your other defensive end, and Jeremy Mincy, who a lot of people forget – is not only a defensive end, but he's a guy they slide down on third down and he rushes as a defensive tackle. you got three premium pass rushers out in that game. Without a pass rush and Julio Jones on the other side of the line of scrimmage, you're not stopping them because the Falcons have a competent NFL quarterback in Matt Ryan. So if you don't put pressure on him, there's nobody in this league that can cover Jones. This guy's a monster. Yeah, and Julio Jones is starting off the season and looking like the best wide receiver in the NFL right now. so He's a monster, so you can't cover that guy. And what what happens then, then you, as you know as a defensive coordinator, now you start playing goofy defenses to take Jones away, and before you know it, a guy's gashing you up the middle. Uh, you know, the second string running back's putting 140 yards on you, and then it's a disaster. What I see in that game really, to me, led to Dallas's defensive de- demise was the inability to manage the game offensively. Um, I didn't like the, the throw across his body at 21-7 with six minutes left in the first half, and Dallas having the football. Uh, Whedon, Whedon puts one in the breadbasket of a Falcon guy, uh, leads to a quick yep. touchdown. Uh, the, the, the Jason Garrett uh, back-to-the-future moment where he called timeout with 46 seconds left in the first half right. on the Atlanta 1. Why not just let the clock run down, score? He gives them a field goal at the end of the half. I mean, there's just things you know. You Listen, you would have stopped Dallas yesterday in the second half because you would have quickly realized – that listen, this guy has no intention of throwing the ball to the outside. He has none. Yeah, and that 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 became readily apparent, and so that's how that ended up going yep. down. Philadelphia and the New York Jets. The Eagles uh, get their victory, but in that game, you had a twenty-four-seven win, and this is what we've been saying over and over about this team: is that you're out there and you're running all these hundreds of plays, and you just let you let teams hang around. The Jets hang around, and they kind of almost work themselves back into this thing. Ends up ends up being twenty-four seventeen, but. Um, you know, Eagle fans be happy you got a win, but well, this is to your point. How about the Jets? Now, listen, I know they trailed in this game, but they trailed in the first half, so they had plenty of chance in this game to to stay with their game plan. They threw the ball fifty-eight times. Let me tell you something: if Ryan, if anybody is throwing the with ball, Ryan 50, Fitzpatrick, Ryan Fitzpatrick, exactly. You let Ryan Fitzpatrick go back there fifty-eight times, bad things are going to happen. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. But he almost worked them back into the game against. These Philadelphia Eagles. So, um, you what know, do you think about, about the Eagles? Let me ask you this now. And here's the question: Sam Bradford stinks. Okay, the guy is 14 to 28 for 118 yards. Uh, they have issues at quarterback, and that's their starting quarterback. Okay, they're they're not even dealing with an injury. What do you make of their running game? Matthews had a really nice day. They handed him the ball 25 times, had a 100 yard game. Uh, what does this mean for? Murray? I guess is my question to you. They'll come back and they'll start splitting carries again. Trust me, it's only a matter of time before Ryan Matthews gets hurt. 
It's only a matter, you know, those guys there just can't carry the load for an entire season. So I don't think much is going to change when Murray comes back. They'll still be back to splitting carries. they got to get both of these guys through an entire season. So gotcha. that is what it is. Emil, the Baltimore Ravens are 0-3 for the first time in franchise history. Um, you know, they're one of my Super Bowl picks. It doesn't look like that's going to happen at all. But what's going on with the Baltimore Ravens right now? Uh, well, the Terrell Suggs injury was a big deal, bigger than than I think a lot of us expected because, again, he's a premium pass rusher. You just don't – they don't fall off trees in this league. So mm-hmm. so when you lose a Terrell Suggs, who's, who's not only going to get his 12 sacks here, but how many pressures is he going to put on the quarterback? They've got they, – they just – the back end of that defense is having a hard time holding up right now. And, you know, it showed Andy Dalton, you know, 20 or 32 uh, throws for 380 some yards. Uh, you know they, they got to him twice, but they're really he was pretty comfortable back there in the pocket. And uh, mm-hmm. you know that's the deal. I mean they just they're, they're, they they can't stop the pass, and I think a, a big chunk of it is a lack of a pass rush. Well, we're in the midst of a football season where the Baltimore Ravens are 0 and 3, and the Oakland Raiders are a two and one football team right now. And uh, I continue to be impressed with this team. Um, I, I know there's some things that they need defensively that that I can see. But uh, Derek Carr, uh, the rookie Amari Cooper, Latavius Murray—they have—they have the—they have, the, uh, have the framework for something good over there in Oakland. Um, but there's a part of me that says I'm waiting for this thing to 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 implode a little bit at some point. I hope I'm wrong on that because I kind of oh. like what Oakland's doing right now. Carr is driving the ball down the field. He's averaging for the year over eight yards an attempt, which is very good. Five touchdowns. He's only throwing a pick. I mean, right now. He's doing the things you need to do to win. And like you said, Murray had a big game yesterday, 139. Uh, we know what Amari Cooper can do. I mean, he, he has the potential to be a very special player in the league. So, yeah, I mean, you got to like you got to like right now what the Raiders are doing. If you're a Raider fan, you got to be excited because this hasn't happened in a while for you. So, No, no, and there's, uh, there's some promise there. All right, we can't avoid this any longer. We made some picks yesterday, and uh, we made some picks on Friday on the games. And uh, between all the six picks that we gave out, we hit none of them. So we uh, are. You don't want to just do college and skip this right part of the show? The It'd be nice to do that, but we do need to keep. Well, let me first talk about right. yours because I made it, I made an executive decision here at the show. Uh, Chad okay. gave out the Saints plus three on Friday. I'm calling that a no pick because at that point in time, the Saints did not list Breeze as out. Um, that line mm-hmm. went up to nine points. So while I won't give you a win, because it would have been a win, um, mm-hmm. any person who happened to be using these picks in Las Vegas, which is the only place you should be using them, mm-hmm. would have definitely checked the injury report, I would I would suspect. So I'm going to give you yeah, a no pick on that. Yeah, we hope that you wouldn't have run to the uh, window and, and made this pick on Friday right after you heard it, knowing that Breeze is... Uh, situation was was tenuous to say the to say the least, and he ended up not playing in the football game, and 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 made the three point difference that I thought. Now, obviously, I knew there was a shot that Drew Brees might not play in this game, and I don't give any. I mean, Tom Brady went out one year, and and, and the Patriots went eleven and five. So to to say Drew Brees is six or seven points. And this might sound crazy to some people. I don't believe in that. So no, but it does make a difference points. in the line. And it was the difference it, between it a does. three point and a no, nine point no game. So I, win. I yes, support your no. decision, Mister Commissioner. Yes. Now your other two games you can cover, which were losers and dropping your record in NFL to two and six on the season. Go ahead, talk. I about don't it. understand what St. Louis what what that was that they did there. Nick Foles is trash. Nick Foles, um, I don't understand a trade 
or whatever the hell went down between the Eagles and the Rams. They both suck out this way. Bradford and Foles both suck, if I can quote uh, Jim Mora, uh, who brought us into this segment. They both suck. Why would you trade suck quarterbacks? Why trade cities? Stay there. Well, you trade cities, and also you trade, you trade uh, by and large, what you're trading is systems, and maybe Foles knew the Eagles system, and the Eagles might be better off just having kept him, and the Rams better off keeping Bradford, I guess. Yeah, he's horrendous, and I think uh, the brass for the St. Louis Rams and the head coach, Jeff Fisher, as much as he's involved and, you know, whatever power he has in, you know, making decisions personnel-wise, they're really wasting a lot of good framework around the quarterback here. I mean, that's going to get older. Guys are going to want to get paid, and it's going to you're going to lose those pieces. And right now you have really great pieces around the quarterback, but you continue to fail at that position personnel-wise. Well, they're going to come off those rookie contracts. You know, don't forget, four and five years in, they're going to come off those rookie contracts, and it's just going to be hard. Yeah, you're not going to keep. you're going to lose guys. Especially pass rushers. You know, you're not talking about an offensive guard here. You're talking about a pass rusher. When you get guys that can rush the passer, they come off those rookie contracts. Someone's going to pay them and pay them a lot of money. Yeah, and you got a decent receiving core. You've got a playmaker in special teams in Tavon Austin. Now you've got Todd Gurley as your running back who's going to come along, and you got Trey Mason who can run the football, but you don't, you don't have anything at quarterback. I can go on and on forever. At the end of the day, you – uh, end up with six points. You lose at home off of a loss in a game in which the backup was gone for the majority of the second half, and you couldn't get your act together. I'm really disappointed in that pick. I've already talked enough about the Dolphins. Can't believe that uh, they went out and performed that way. I want to say I can't believe that I made that pick, but, Emil, I pointed this out. You're off of an embarrassing loss. You're in your home opener. You're playing a division rival. You should You should be winning this game, not losing it by 27 points. So I can't apologize for the pick, but – uh, it's a fat, a fat loss nonetheless. So I'm 0 and 2 on that. You're 0 and 2 and uh, dropping that mark to 2 and 6. Uh, I was 0 and 3, go to 2 and 7. I took a tough loss on the Ravens. I mean, they came all the way back. I thought, man, I'm going to get a win here. They had a 24-21 lead. They were giving two and a half. They were at home, six minutes left in the game. They they came all the way back from 14 nothing down. I said, oh, they're not going to. They need this game. No way. Uh, Bengals went right down the field took a loss there. We talked about the Cowboy game. I took them plus one. And frankly, at 21-7, I felt great. They had the ball Mm -hmm. and a 14-point lead. And then somebody uh, named Brandon Whedon decided to try to throw across his body in the middle of the field. And uh, that started the avalanche. So took a loss there. Mm -hmm. In the Jets game, I don't know if I took the cheat. I don't know what happened to them early. I mean, their special teams breakdown. They allowed Sproles to get that punt return. That was big. They fought back. They stayed in the game, but you know, just too many breakdowns for for a team that has Ryan Fitzpatrick playing quarterback. You got to play more, you know, solid fundamental football. So took a loss there. Dropped the two and seven through. You know, tough losses yesterday. Yeah, that's what I mean. Just tough to lose three. Yeah, games like yeah. That. Well, it's early in the season, so hopefully we don't dig too big of a hole for ourselves here. But we certainly need to pick up the pace and get our act together in the NFL. But that's that. For the NFL, we've been plenty of NFL talk here today. We're going to take a break. When we get back, it's college football time. we got to talk about some of the crazy things that went down on Saturday. We'll do that and more when we get back right after this.
The 7-on-7 season, summer basketball, family picnics, all around the corner. And you're paying big money for t-shirts from screen printers? Why? Screen printed t-shirts are costly when done for small groups. They're limited in color unless you want to pay an even higher price. More colors mean higher prices. How do we solve this? Do it yourself at home with your inkjet printer and a hand iron. That's right. With heat transfer paper sold at t-shirtsupplies.com, you can design your own logos, put any wording you want, print it on your inkjet print paper, and using the proper paper sold by t-shirtsupplies.com, you can get this the way that you want it. There's no limit to the amount of color or the design. You can transfer a photograph using this paper. It's great for team sports. It's great for family reunions. It's great for birthday grips. The t-shirt is part of the American culture, and now you can design your own. Don't worry if you haven't done it before. T-Shirt Supplies has the first-rate customer service. They will help you get the paper you want for your project and steer you in the right direction. Visit them now at t-shirtsupplies.com. That's t-shirts, no hyphen, supplies, plural, all one word, dot com. Or call them at one 857 2737 That's 1-877-85-PAPER. dot com. Go there now. Anytime me and Scott start speaking together, we gotta call us the Illuminati. Whenever you see the G, it represents God in geometry. That's what the stencil for. I'm gonna take you deep with us. Now I'm just with you. Hey Scott, I'm just with you, baby. Yo. <laughs> The ghost on the phone, my jeweler. My new bitch out of DC, call me Ricky the Ruler. Gotta gather my concentration. 10.45 here on the Gridiron Stud Show. We're back for the final segment. College football is on tap. Uh, we had a bunch of... Uh, college football always provides us with some excitement. Uh, Emil, it couldn't have been any more excitement than what went down in Gainesville this weekend uh, as the Tennessee Volunteers came to town. Tennessee... Um, had lost 10 straight to the Florida Gators. And it looked like uh, all hell they were going to break that streak. Florida's having trouble moving the football and, and scoring. Um, Tennessee and their quarterback and running back combo was running the ball quite well, and they managed to get themselves a 13-point lead uh, fairly late in this game. And then somehow, some way, I couldn't watch it. It was coaching my football game. I'd pretty much written it off, 27-14, they're done. Uh Lo and behold, I find out it's a 28-27 win for the Florida Gators. Uh, I was thrilled, man, but what do you make of that game? Uh, Florida showed some resilience, and at the end, uh, finally, you know, for a program, the last couple of years has been getting some bad breaks. I mean, they got a good break at the end. The kid from Tennessee missed a 47-yard field goal, which in college is a 50-50 proposition, unlike the NFL. I mean, that's not necessarily an easy field goal, but uh, I was glad to see I was obviously glad to see uh, my adopted other team get a win for various reasons. So I saw a lot of that game. I was flipping. I sent you a note. I saw some different things going on. It was a good game. I mean, I think Florida, obviously, uh, if they can bring the defense, they're going to be tough this week. I think, you know, that they, they could maybe surprise Tennessee or, or Mississippi, I should say. Yeah, certainly uh, makes for an interesting. I think this would this match would have been less interesting this week had uh, Florida not beat Tennessee. I think it would have. But what do you think about Tennessee game. though? Is he going to be one of these guys that just teases us and just you know doesn't um, get listen, there? Man, I I I'm I'm on the. Uh, I know you are. I'm on the I'm on the thought process that Tennessee's moving in the right direction. 
Um, I do feel still that they are a year away, but uh, there's, you know, people may not want to admit to this, but there's 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 a mental block sometimes. And when you come into a game and you're down, you know you've lost this thing ten times in a row. Um, it's it's tough mentally to get over that hurdle because I'm sure at 27-14 Tennessee started getting the thoughts of, oh man, we're gonna finally break this streak. And you're not thinking as you would in a normal football game. Yeah. You know, you start wondering the moment something goes against you. Oh well, here we go. You know, oh here we go. And and I'm telling you as a former player, that's you know that's that's what happens to you. And so. I think for Tennessee to break that streak, they're going to have to come in and face Florida with – they're going to have to have a monster team, and Florida might have to be down to where it doesn't even matter if those thoughts enter your head. You still go out and win the game. So I think that's what happened there. And, um, you know, I came into this year seeing Tennessee was a a year away, and and the game against Oklahoma and this game against Florida shows that they're just not ready to win yet. They're ready to put themselves in a position to win. Just not quite ready to win. Well, you know what they say up in Gainesville, my friend. You can't spell citrus without a U and a T. Well, there you go. Good old Steve Spurrier. That's one of his great, great quotes. (laughs) All-time great quotes. uh, Yeah, yeah. And so uh, Tennessee takes takes the the loss in that one. You know, Michigan goes out and routes BYU thirty-one to nothing. I don't think either one of us expected that. What do we make of Jim Harbaugh and the Michigan Wolverines? And can they be rewind the tape from Friday? I am very angry at myself for not making this a pick. This is one of those other games. Flirt with that, yes. Yes, where I saw the line, and I'm a big believer when a line looks really out of whack. You you got the number twenty-two team that that's played some great football, almost upset UCLA the previous week is a six-and-a-half-point underdog against a Michigan team that people aren't expecting a lot out of. No. And I just no. said, you know, here's the thing with BYU in this game. Michigan played a great game. Kudos to Harbaugh. He, he, they're going to be a lot better, I think, than you or I thought they would be. Oh, but yeah. If I'm the BYU coach, Mendenhall, I'm, I'm, I'm stopping by the AD's office this morning and saying, if you ever do that again to me to start a season, we're, okay. we're going to dance. And it's not going to be the waltz. We're going out in the parking lot because who who made this schedule? I mean, they, they go they go extremely at, tough, my friend. No doubt they, about they it. They go at Nebraska. They win that game. Then they come home and they they win against Boise on a you know a Notre Dame Virginia type thirty five yard touchdown pass with forty seconds left. Now you're gassed. You go on the road. You you still almost you almost get the you know the energy up to upset a UCLA. You lose by one, and he sends you at Michigan the next week. Are you kidding yeah. me? Uh, well, listen, they, lo- they loaded him up. He must have uh, f- thought a lot of Mendenhall and, and, and his ability to coach. But that's almost, if you're at BYU, it's an, an incredible schedule. And, um, yeah, I guess their backs finally broke here. But can Michigan be a problem for Ohio State at the end of the year? The way Ohio State's playing right now? Yes. If Ohio State continues, I have a feeling Ohio State's got issues. And, you know, you may be able to speak to this because you obviously coach. I think Ohio State's got selfish issues right now. I think they have a lot of guys in that team that maybe have an eye at the next level. Not that guys don't everywhere to some degree, but I think they have a lot of guys worried about the me and not not the team. And I see it a, 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 really an underperforming team. I mean, that that game Saturday, that was not a good win for Ohio State. They should beat a team like that seriously by 40 points, easily. Uh, um, true, true. And they, they ended up in another game against uh, a team not so hot that, and, uh, you know, it's it only a 25-point win. I do have to say some kudos to a uh, kid from Western Michigan that, that I, you know, was a 
that was on our team at university school, Daniel Braverman, the leading wide receiver in all of uh, college football right now. It didn't matter that he was playing Ohio State. Went out there and 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 caught another ten balls and a fifty-five yard touchdown. So he's yeah, he's a good. He's great. he's obviously a good player, and that's my comment is meant is no disrespect to Western Michigan. I'm talking purely on paper. No, that's I didn't game. take it that way. You know what no. I think may be going on here, Emil, is that you climbed a mountaintop, you won the championship last year, so these regular season games against these opponents are just not that appetizing to you. So difficult for you to get all charged up and excited about it. I'm going to wait to judge Ohio State um, when they play a, a solid football team. Well, you're going to be waiting until I'm Michigan State. I'm going to be waiting State. a long time. Yeah, you're going to be yeah, waiting, a, be long waiting a long time. There's nobody so on that gonna, schedule. Yeah, I'm not – you and I would not – go and hand them the championship if they were out here beating the Western Michigans and Hawaii's by 50 and 60 points. So on to, on the flip side, I'm not going to go and say that they're, you know, anything less because they're not doing that. I just think they're just winning games. They're ho-humming their way through it. And then I'll judge them when they face Michigan State. Is that, fair enough. That's fair well, let enough. me just give you the next six weeks for Ohio State. At Indiana, gone. Mm-hmm. Maryland, mm-hmm. Penn State, mm-hmm. at Rutgers, Minnesota, at Illinois. So basically, Michigan State and the closer at Michigan, to me, that's their season. Yeah, no, not pretty. No doubt about it. Uh, but, you know, it is what it is. And we'll we'll see what they got when they face a real opponent. Then we'll know what the heck we got. Uh, West Virginia goes out and just absolutely hands it to Maryland. I wouldn't pay any attention to West Virginia because they played Georgia Southern and Liberty to open up the season. But uh, I do have to cast an eye in their direction when they go out and beat Maryland 45-6 to in this football game. You agree or disagree there? Totally. I'm keeping an eye on them because, listen, I'm not a big fan of the two top teams, uh, you know, supposedly top teams in that Big 12. I mean, the way TCU's playing defense right now, and I understand they have injuries. I, I, I get mm-hmm. that. But, you know, 55-52, we'll talk about that in a little bit. Um, Baylor, you know, they're not really interested in defense at Baylor, not when they play good mm-hmm. teams. So I'm looking at West Virginia and Oklahoma as two teams that maybe come to this party a little bit and uh, spoil it for some people. Yeah, per- perhaps, perhaps. But, you know, uh, their their schedule gets a little tougher uh, coming up here. They do have Oklahoma uh, coming up right around the corner here. So we'll we'll learn a little bit about them there. Georgia Tech, what's the deal? Uh, lost to Notre Dame, and you figure they'll snap back against Duke. But, no, they lose by 14, well, 34 Well, two points. things there. I think Duke plays – Duke's an underrated defensive football team. I mean, they 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 play some pretty good defense the last couple of years there at Duke. You know, since they've had a little bit of a revival, a big revival for them. Um, and you know, there's obviously that hangover. I mean, listen to me. Here's what's impressive: what Duke did. Georgia Tech ran the football 60 times on Saturday mm-hmm. for only 173 yards, 2.9 mm-hmm. yards a carry. That's impressive. Uh no no absolutely absolutely that that's that's a solid performance against that so yeah no um, I mean I just think Georgia Tech had a couple things going on Duke plays them you know well you know Duke's not what the Duke that we remember from twenty to even ten years ago and mm-hmm. I think you know the Notre Dame game took a lot of starch out of uh, Georgia Tech for this uh, ACC opener so. Yeah, you got to come back. You got to come back and play better than they did there. How did you and I miss this obvious sandwich game right here with with Mississippi versus Vanderbilt? Well, no, I mean, we talked class- about it. And if you recall, when you got to that segment on Friday, I said it's an obvious sandwich game, but I have a hard time 
accepting that many points when I have a team that I'm worried can't score enough. That was my comment. I'm, I'm always they worried. But, no. but, damn, they played some defense in this game. Yes, they did. No, they, they did. did. I mean, and it was Vanderbilt an obvious sandwich game. 16 points. They're allergic to 20s or, or anything above that. But uh, managed to keep Mississippi from uh, going nuts. So They did, but you understand the fear when you're playing a team. And when we get to my picks, I'm going to laugh at probably one of the funniest picks that I ever won in my life. But uh, mm-hmm. this, you know, if I was willing to make that pick, I have no idea why I wasn't willing to make uh, the, this Vanderbilt pick. But for some reason, Vanderbilt yeah, scared we, me off them. We, we definitely turned down that sandwich off the yes. cart there. Uh, Brett Bielema, what do we <laughs> – it's it's been a rough three week stretch and it continued and as Cliff Kingsbury from ten, Texas Tech predicted, uh, Arkansas goes out and loses to Texas A and M. It's three straight for Brett Billima and uh, an Arkansas team that people had some high expectations for coming. Maybe into time the to polish the resume soon there because this this could this has the potential to go south uh, really quickly. That was a game they they had a lead late twenty one thirteen. Allen uh, drove the, the Aggies down the field, scored with a couple minutes left, got the two-pointer, sent it into overtime. Uh, if you're uh, someone who likes to wager on games, you're really sick because I think Arkansas ended up as a six-point underdog. Uh, so not only did you not get a win for the, the, the Razorbacks, you also lost in overtime. Yeah, you, against got, the you, you, got, you got nothing. Here's what it looks like, though, for Arkansas, who's trying to get off the schneid here. You got an angry Tennessee team in Knoxville next week. Uh, following that up, you got Alabama, and then you're going to have an Auburn team that uh, is not going to be out to be looking for any. They're going to be looking to win the games they can win. So that's and then that country awesome. singer who's a big favorite among SEC teams, <laughs> Uncle Tennessee. <laughs> Uncle Tennessee Martin. Well, after you get your break with Uncle Martin, there, you're coming back with Ole Miss, LSU, and Mississippi State. This season can get ugly for. Arkansas. Well, let's go down. Come on. This is what we do. We speculate. We have fun. I don't see them winning at Tennessee. I don't see them winning the next three weeks. Would they possibly Auburn? Because Auburn's another disaster we'll talk about. Auburn's going to get their act together at some point. You hope. And so in the battle of acts together, I'm going to lean to Auburn. So I, I, I'm seeing okay. three more losses. What I'm saying is right. You definitely, I think, two. And then Auburn, yes, maybe yeah, Uncle three. Uncle Martin's going to get it. Uncle, Uncle Martin's, Martin's going to get it. Then they're going to lose to Ole Miss. They're going to lose yeah. at LSU. Uh-huh. They, Mississippi State, who knows what they're going to be like at that point. A, it's going to be a war, but uh, this could maybe well, they get this Missouri, could be a three and nine good. season if he doesn't get this team really firing and 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 you know they, they could be staring a three and nine season in the face. And I don't think Easy. that's what they had in mind when they hired him. Yeah, really, really easy. That that could happen. Uh, got to talk some about Mississippi State and Auburn. We just talked about Auburn. Um, our former kid Sean White gets a start. Looked great in the start. Just couldn't get the ball in the end zone. And uh, yeah, know, he played well. I saw the game. The saw a big chunk yeah. of that game. Yeah, he played. He played. Uh, he played well. Much better than what they had going on there. I mean, so. I have to think, and if you know any of our listeners out there with the little time we have left that may want to call, I told people he's more athletic than he thinks, and they had to be surprised when he pulled the ball out of the stomach and ran ran around with it a few times. They had to be a little bit surprised at it. I don't think people didn't expect that from him, but I was trying to tell people this kid uh, is an athlete. He, he played linebacker in youth football. He'd go throw passes for touchdowns and turn around and stop your run plays at linebacker in youth football. So he's a, a very much a football player. I was proud of him. Too bad it didn't turn into a victory. But I feel with him at the controls, they'll kind of turn things around. Yeah, I think you know. I think he gives them you know as he gets more comfortable, he can start to maybe try to stretch the defense a little bit. I think they kept the game plan a little simple first start there. 
you know, not a lot down the field. But yeah, he he managed the game well. They moved the ball, just like you said. They they kept bogging down, you know, deep in in, in Mississippi State territory, and you know they lose the seventeen nine game. But I have more confidence that with him they can get this thing right than than the way they were going. Well, there are two more things we two more games we really need to talk about before we discuss our picks, where which happen to be pretty good. So can't wait to get to that. Uh, one is. Utah getting their face completely ripped off at home by Oregon. There's no explanation. No, Oregon getting their face completely ripped off oh, yeah, at home. Oh, yeah, my bad. Yeah. My bad. Oregon at home getting punched totally in the face by Utah. I can't understand that at all. Um, maybe, you know. Do you I remember last year I talked to you Utah, about this? Good grief. I talked to you about um, this on the show last year where I read a great column by a Vegas professional gambler. The guy wrote basically just analog. not Not from a gambling perspective, just – talking about football teams and he said mm-hmm. the Oregon coaching staff that is in place now is in over their head and mm-hmm. as soon as Mariota Mariota leaves they're going to struggle and struggle mightily because um they just don't have you know they don't have the staff to make adjustments and he was essentially a coach on the field and last mm-hmm. year they lose the national championship game and you know people were probably laughing saying <laughs> yeah right that mm-hmm. idiot well who's he reading well I'll tell you what played itself out there Saturday because when you lose at home it's one thing when you get beat by 42 points on your home field that's not just a bad day at the office there's something going that's on a, there that, that's astounding 62 to 20 and um yeah I'm seeing guys on several occasions running wide open not a DB in sight for Utah and no, you, you know let, listen let's not take anything away Utah's a good football team but they're not that good I mean if you go down Utah's schedule okay they're not forty-two to twenty good. Uh, they won sixty-two. 20. Yeah, I mean, look look at who they played so far, Chad. They, they beat Michigan twenty-four seventeen. Okay, they beat mm-hmm. Utah State, not not a great team, twenty-four fourteen. Mm-hmm. They beat mm-hmm. Fresno, who's not very good, forty-five twenty-four. I mean, mm-hmm. it's not like they've been hammering people for three weeks, and you're like, hey, they're they're a lot better than we thought they were. No, and so this was uh, mind-blowing, baffling. I'm extremely interested in seeing what Oregon uh, does to come back. Well, what do you put it on? Like. You're, you're the expert coach here. What do you see going on there? I don't, you know, look, I don't want to – I don't know how I would sound saying this. I did not have any faith in um, the new coaching staff coming in and taking over for Chip Kelly because this is very much Chip Kelly's deal. And it's one of those things where Chip Kelly is the guy that knows how to run this. And uh, I just didn't think Helfrich would be the guy to come in and keep that thing going. Maybe you go for a little while. Listen, I've seen this in its purest form. Uh, Larry Coker coming in and taking over for Butch Davis. You can hold it together for a little while while you have those key pieces in place. And as you alluded to, Marcus Mariota would be the keyest of all key pieces. But once those pieces start filtering out of the program, you're going to have, have a serious problem. And I think that's where Oregon is right now. Did I see 62-20 coming? No. Did I think Utah could win this game? Absolutely. It was almost one of my picks. But uh, that it would the wheels would fall off this fast is amazing to me. I never liked them defensively. Never, never liked them, even when Chip Kelly was doing his thing and they were at their apex. Never liked them defensively. But now it's just so ugly. It's unraveling faster than I thought it would, and as I well, said, I told you to on Friday's show, the only reason I, I I got off the pick of Utah was that the line went from fourteen to eleven and a half, and I hate seeing mm-hmm. a line move like that because mm-hmm. you know obviously the money's coming in hot and heavy on Utah, 
But every once in a while, the public and the experts are all on the same team, and they're right. Yeah, and those, you know, to go along with you on that, those kind of line moves make me nervous as well. So, um, you know, that would be the reason for staying off this. You brought this up to me. Um, I was wrapped up in my high school football game on Saturday. But you brought this up, and I really started thinking about it on the bus ride home um, after we'd beaten New Orleans. The number, what, what, what's TCU country right now? Third or second, depending on who you're looking at, they second were. I don't know what I don't know what this week. I mean, they they dropped. They might be fourth. Now, I don't want to sound too much of an old school guy. I don't want to sound like a, I'm all I care about in this game is defense because that's not true. I've spent my time on both sides of the ball. It's admittedly more on defense than offense. But 55-52, as you said, is not good for college football. If, if you, you want to expand on that? Because I'm agreeing. But they're not one-offs. I mean, that's the thing. I mean, you're always going to, you know, if, if, if somebody's out there saying, oh, well, yeah, you know, we got one game that was 55-52. Yeah, okay, if that was the case, I'd agree with you. But we had a game Thursday night that we laughed about on Friday's show. In, in, in not like a, a one double A conference. We're talking about Memphis and Cincinnati. Cincinnati's been to major bowl games, fifty three forty six. I mean, that was more than the Cincinnati basketball team scores. If you're a basketball fan, okay. Mm-hmm. Then we watched UCLA play Arizona. It was fifty six to thirty. Um, Arizona lost the game and ran the ball for three hundred and some yards. I mean, it, it, it mm-hmm. just to me. The game is not football. You know, I like offense too. I'm not some Baylor seventy to seventeen. This I mean, is a, this this is arena football. Is Notre Dame sixty two twenty seven. Now I know they're playing UMass, but again, UMass is no. They're playing a, a, a Division one schedule. If you look at UMass, I mean, you, you've got games every Saturday, and you can pick them out. Where they're, they're just like you said, they're arena football. They're, there's no hint of even pretending to play defense. Yeah, it's it's dangerously working itself into a watered down uh, product when you start doing this. Is like things stop making sense after a while. Here's the damage on this game: TCU 750 total yards of offense, Texas Tech 607 yards of total offense, 1,357 yards of total offense in this contest. I mean, that's utterly ridiculous. Um, you have a quarterback throw it 54 times, no interceptions to speak of. Uh, you got a quarterback for Texas Tech who throws the ball 45 times, no interceptions to speak of. Like, what are you doing defensively? But here's, you know, we you, care you, at all you're, about you and I are talking about this as college football and football fans in general. But let's talk about what what was, seems to be at the forefront of all. All we got to protect the kids. We got to protect the kids. Well, we can't let the kids watch the kids. TCU ran 103 plays. That's not counting special teams, by the way. That's just Offense and passing and rushing. Texas Tech ran 84 plays. So when I add in the special teams plays, these kids play 200 plays in a regulation yeah. game. Amazing, isn't it? Is that good Amazing. for safety? No, it's not, but it is good for ratings because uh, people want to see offense. But we're going to reach a point where the off- where it becomes ridiculous and uh, people may start getting turned off to me as a defensive back i want to throw up 99 pass attempts in this game not one interception well 99 yeah i mean listen tcu short-lived for i mean the eye test tells me 
that TCU is very short-lived for where they're at in these pools, so I'm not worried about it. Um, along the line, somebody will take them out uh, once, maybe twice, or you know, three times. I mean, they're playing West Virginia, they're going to Oklahoma State, they're going to Oklahoma, they're home with Baylor. They're just a, they're at Kansas State. There's the, TCU okay, has a few losses. This right here, this is potluck football. At some yeah. point, you're gonna you're gonna pull out you're gonna pull out the wrong dish and you're gonna get sick. So um, that's what's headed in their direction. All right, we made some picks this weekend. We were damn good at them. So. Uh, why not let's talk about the good part of the weekend, which was our Saturday. Emil, you can go first, and then uh, I'll recap what I did this Okay. Uh, well, we start off we'll, – we'll go in order from earliest to latest. I, I, I reeled on them a little earlier. Maybe it's sour grapes. I, I took Ohio State minus 31 and a half. I really just felt like, you know, this is a game where they were going to make a statement and just say to people, come on, be serious, we're, we can do this when we want to. They didn't do that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, they, they really never, you know, never got close to getting, you know, covering this game. They won by I think 26. based on what I said when we talked about them earlier in this segment, they're probably not a good value when they play games like this and they're, and they're, and they're, spread is this high i just think they're just trying to get back to the end of the season yeah you're probably right and we know that now so you know i took a loss on ohio state my only loss my next one is probably going to be the favorite pick i ever made on this show in my life i took louisiana monroe plus 38 now, pe- people out there are saying why is that your favorite pick because i covered a point spread when my team had 92 yards of offense you got it folks 92 yards of offense <laughs> Absolutely amazing. Alabama didn't give a damn. It'll never happen again, Emil. I no, promise you. No, Alabama didn't give a damn about blowing them out. Plus, Alabama's just not built this year to, to, to blow a team out if, unless they get a few turnovers on defense and run them in because they're just not a really good offensive team this year. They won 34 nothing, uh control the game, but they weren't covering that bloated number. Um, Monroe gets me a win there. And finally, this is a pick I was proud of, not because it was my team, just because I gave you solid reasons for this pick. USC, mm-hmm. the last two years, coming off a loss, which tells you a lot about kids' character. Uh, mm-hmm. Coming off a loss is 7-1 and one versus the spread, 7-1 and one straight up, or 8-0 no, straight mm-hmm. up, 7-1 and one versus the spread. Well, mm-hmm. sure as heck, Saturday night, I looked at that line, and I'm sure you did too when you get to your picks. And I said, mm-hmm. when I saw them lose to Stanford, I figured this is a pick 'em game. I mean, Arizona State's beating them two years in a row. The place is going to be rocking. Uh, you know, why is it five and a half points? So I said, I'll lay the five and a half because it doesn't make a lick of sense. And yeah, somebody knows something, right? And USC was up 35 nothing at the half in this game and basically got bored in the second half and ended up winning by 28 points. But, uh, uh, you know, I think maybe these preseason polls, and I didn't get to this, kind of skew our view of things. I mean, Stanford came out. Looked terrible in that opener against Northwestern. We're finding out Northwestern's a pretty good team. They beat Duke, who beat Georgia Tech. Stanford might most likely wins the North right now. I mean, the way they're playing right now with their offensive line, they probably win the North. And I, I Frank, think, uh, hey, look, I think that Cal Stanford game is going to be a really, really good one this year. I do too. I do too. But I'm just saying, Stanford. What I'm where I'm going with this is, you know, we kind of hammered on USC that maybe losing to the team that wins the North. And frankly, right now it looks like. Stanford could possibly be playing one of the two L.A. teams for the Pac-12 championship, UCLA or USC. So mm-hmm. I went with USC. I yeah. got a win. I thought it was it was an easy win. So two and one. I go to seven and five on the year in college football. At least at least hey, I'm a, above five hundred. Gotta love. But that, you're the you star know? of the show right now. Come on, go ahead, brag. Yeah. Well, listen. I went with an all Cali thing. I I went back to Cali and uh, it worked out for me. The uh, closest pick that I had of the day was Cal, as they were. Uh, you know, out west, 
dealing with the Washington uh, Huskies. And, listen, they had control in this game. Uh, you know, it got a little close in the end and made me a little nervous. But how about Cal going out, laying points uh, on the road in, in consecutive games and winning both of those games? So that speaks a little bit to Cal's strength. Something good's going on over there in Berkeley. Well, what's so, going on good at Cal is they might have the, the best quarterback in next year's draft that's uh, unknown to people on the East Coast who don't pay attention to all the football in the country because the kid at Cal is a, a big-time uh, quarterback. Definitely doing some good things. So get a win there with Cal as a three-point favorite. They win 30-24. to 24. Uh, The next one was an easy blowout, UCLA uh, taking on Arizona. I don't know what to make of, you know, I don't know how long Rich Rod's going to have. Tell me what you saw there. I mean, because obviously it was a great pick. Um, you know, tell the folks what, what, what got you on UCLA there. Um, I just felt like Arizona was, was – not battle tested, if you ask me. Um, you know, you you come into a game, you played UT, uh, UT San Antonio, um, you win there, you give up 32 points to that team, um, you take on Nevada, um, you, you win that game 44-20, then then you play Northern Arizona and you win 77-13. So you're playing three mediocre to weak opponents. And then in your last game, you roll up 77 points. Kids get a really, really big head. But I go back to the UT San Antonio game where you, know, you gave up 193 rushing and 332 passing, and it kind of tells me you're not that strong of a team. And I knew uh, UCLA coming in here is, you know, means business. And I think three games for for Josh Rosen was enough, and he was ready to, to step up. It's kind of what I went on. And three three points seemed like a, a fairly yeah, you know, game. I felt like UCLA would win the game, so why not? Yeah, I watched that game, and, you know, I, uh, I'm convinced that, you know, Arizona is another team. They just want to be entertaining. Yes, I know they won the Pac-12 South last year. It was a goofy year in the Pac-12 mm-hmm. South. Uh, they won on a tiebreaker. But I just think that when I watch them, they've got no interest in playing defense, zero. Yeah, and then the final one, I just saw two big, strong pieces of motivation here for USC. you got to respond to the Stanford loss. Trust me, if they had lost this game to Arizona State, I would have really been down on USC for for uh, the foreseeable future. But you had an Arizona State team that upset you last year, and you're coming off of a loss, I think. Uh, and I know USC is full of talent. So whatever the hell went on last week, I, I felt fairly good. Not 100%, fairly good, though, that they would respond here. And boy, did they ever. 35 nothing at halftime, like you said. And uh, it was just uh, easy rolling after Here's that. Here's so a funny gonna... chat about the, about the public in general. And and the we call it knee jerk Monday. Things, the they, the way people treat teams in sports. Okay, USC was the number six team in the country before they lost to Stanford. So now they went from, not only aren't they number six, which is fine, they lost, they should drop to their garbage, and that's what's funny about. It. I well, mean, that's that's what that's what helps, I guess, the sharpest of betters in this game because, uh, you know, sometimes these lines have to be made to to. Um, cater to the public's mindset and so you know that's where some of these these sharp guys that are a little smarter than us out in vegas that do this for a living tend to to hone in on stuff like that that you just pointed out i think there'll be a team that as the year goes along will get better where people forgot about usc yes they have kessler who is a senior but they ran out uh, i think it was 13 starting true freshmen or sophomores on that game Saturday, and, yeah, they're, uh, they're young. They're still growing up. They're still yeah, they're young. The they're young other than was, quarterback. Uh, yeah, the Stanford thing was tough to swallow, but um, kudos to them for coming back. I swallowed it. I was there. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, you know, live and I recommend you don't go to any more UFC no. games. No, um, I'm the jinx man this, this year. There you go. You're you're the cloud hanging over there. So um, three and zero for me. Where am I at on the season? Eight and four. You are quite the college handicapping maven. Listen, There's a word for you. To sleep. You do this every year when I when I you know I have it a little rough. Don't try to lull me to sleep here. I'm I'm uh, I'm doing okay for myself. Uh, between NFL and college football, I'm a mere 500 at 10 and 10. So uh, yes, there I, you go. Well, do, hey, do what you could be worse, I guess. You could be me. You could be one game under or two games under overall. Yeah. Well. You'll, uh, I'm sure you'll clean it up, and we'll both clean up our act in the NFL. We're going to go clean up the act for the rest of the day. We want you to enjoy the rest of your day. Uh, we're happy here to kick it off for you, to give you the breakfast toast. Now go do something with it. We want to thank you for listening. Thank you for making this a featured show on Blog Talk Radio. For Emil Calamina, I'm Chad Wilson. Enjoy the rest of your day. Thanks for listening. Get up. To all you high school recruits out there, you want to get recruited by the colleges? Step up and visit GridironStuds.com today. we got college coaches visiting. We've got people visiting. We've got fans visiting. If you want to be seen, get your video up there right now. It's easy. Create a profile. Takes two minutes. Stop playing games. Get off of Facebook. Take control of your future. GridironStuds.com is where you need to be today. Visit now. Set your profile up. And let yourself be seen.